there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Just a heads up that today's episode talks about suicide and has the sound of gunshots. So take care while you're listening. We'll share some resources at the end of the episode, and we'll put them in our show notes, too. Hi, I'm Rose Rimler, filling in for Wendy Zuckerman this week. You're listening to Science Verses from Gimlet. On today's show, we're going to talk about a nightmare scenario that's been playing out again and again around the world, but especially in the United States. Mass shootings. Several have happened just this year. Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Highland Park, Illinois. These shootings are awful, and they terrify us. One survey from 2019 found that about a third of U.S. adults said they avoided certain public places or events because of the fear of a mass shooting. And so today we're asking, is there any way to stop them? Because there are all sorts of ideas out there about what to do. And these ideas tend to split along political lines. Generally speaking, the left says the problem is the guns especially assault weapons. The right says, no, the problem is the people, that it's mental illness that creates mad gunmen, not the guns themselves. And they say we need more good guys with guns to fend off these murderers. Many of us have been listening to this back and forth for years, endless debates about what to do. But it seems like people don't usually bring science to the fight. So that's what we want to do today. Cut through all the political crap and ask, what could really work to stop mass shootings? We're asking, one, should we ban assault weapons? Two, should we have more armed people at schools to stop school shootings? Three, how does mental illness fit into this? Should we be focusing on that? And four, what are red flag laws and do they work? First, we want to note that these shootings are rare compared to other kinds of crimes. They're usually defined as four or more people killed, and in the U.S., they happen about two dozen times a year. That number includes domestic violence murders, gang murders, and robberies. If we narrow it down to just the public rampages that tend to make headlines, then it's more like five times a year. And these public mass shootings do seem to be getting deadlier. Several of the deadliest ones have happened in the past 10 years. And some people argue that this is because killers have access to more dangerous guns, like assault weapons. So let's dive into this. Some states already ban certain kinds of guns that they consider assault weapons. And there was a federal assault weapons ban. It lasted a decade, but it ended in 2004. So one thing we hear a lot is that we should bring this back. Assault rifles have got to go! Four simple words. Ban assault weapons federally. Is there a will to keep weapons of war off our streets? And President Biden says he wants to do this. I'm determined to ban assault weapons in this country. Determined. To me, someone who's never fired anything more powerful than a super soaker, these guns do seem like a huge part of the problem. They just look scary and unnecessary. But a lot of gun owners say they get a bad rap. 
that they're not more dangerous than other guns. So I wanted to learn more, and I wanted to see them in person. And the easiest way to do that was to leave the state of New York, because they're banned here. Producer Meryl Horn came with me. Okay, we're about to drive to the shooting range. Here we go. Meryl and I rented a car, which meant we had to drive it out of the rental car parking lot. And that meant we had to find the parking brake. Every time I get in a car, it's a new type of emergency brake. Oh, what about that P over there? This one here? Yeah. Pull. Pull what? Oh. No, that's not. Oh, I oh. thought I got it. Should I Google it? Oh, maybe. Oh, you did it. Okay. Eventually, we hit the road. Welcome to Virginia. Virginia. It's one of 42 states where assault weapons are legal. Neither of us had ever fired a gun before, so we were a little nervous, cracking stupid jokes. And then we're going to go to Balls Ford Road. Pardon? (laughs) You know, Balls Ford Road. I think that's where Thomas Jefferson... uh, (laughs) Forded his balls. (laughs) The gun range was a huge building about the size of a Walmart. Inside was a big, brightly lit lobby with couches. And that's where we met Mark Oliva. Hi, Mark. I'm Rose. Rose, so good to meet you. Mark is a spokesperson for a gun trade group, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. It's not the NRA. It focuses on advocating for gun manufacturers and sellers. Mark is a solidly built, salt-and-pepper bearded guy who carries a gun in a holster around the belt of his khaki pants. Before this job, he spent 25 years in the Marines. Joke, I've been able to go from one big gun club to another, so... The biggest gun club being the military? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mark was our gun guide for the day. He owns a bunch of guns, and he brought a few of them with him. So we checked in, watched a safety video. If a problem occurs, keep the firearm pointed downrange and signal a range safety officer for assistance. And finally, we entered the range itself, which looked a lot like a bowling alley, only with bullseyes instead of pins. There were already a few other people in there shooting guns in their lanes. We took a spot right next to a guy who was shooting a big black rifle. Whoa, I could feel the wind coming off. Is that an AR next to us? Mm -hmm. It's like producing its own wind when the guy next to us fires. It was the infamous AR-15-style rifle. This gun was originally produced by a company called Armalite. That's where AR comes from, Armalite Rifle. And now a bunch of gun manufacturers make their own versions, and it's become super popular. Mark pulled his own AR-style gun out of one of his camo-printed bags. This is one of the guns that would be banned in New York. And can you describe this rifle for us? This is a Daniel Defense M4A1. It's a modern sporting rifle. I've got it topped with a Vortex small scope. Many people would call this gun an assault rifle. But as you can hear, Mark prefers the term modern sporting rifle. He taught me to nestle the gun against my shoulder and look through the scope, and I was ready to go. All right, so now I'm going to load you up. Got 20 rounds. You ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. I found myself laughing kind of awkwardly after I shot it. (laughs) because I was so nervous. So that was the assault weapon. Then Mark showed me a gun that's not considered an assault weapon. You ready to try a handgun? Yeah, I'm really curious how this is gonna be different. Mark handed me the nine millimeter handgun from the holster around his waist. Gonna fire, is that all right? Yep, when you're ready. Woo! 
Lay down. Feel good? <sighs> How did I feel? Well, a little confused. When we talk about guns in the U.S., we put these two weapons in different categories. An assault weapon that some people want to ban, and basically a regular handgun. But to me, they both seemed really dangerous. There are differences, like the bullets fired from an AR-style gun do move a lot faster than bullets from a handgun. But they were both easy to fire because they were both semi-automatic, meaning that they reloaded themselves. All I had to do was squeeze the trigger and there was another bullet ready to go. So I left the shooting range and dug into the research. It turns out that most of the time, mass shooters don't use assault weapons. They're more likely to use some other kind of gun, even a regular handgun. So maybe it's not surprising that when you look at research into assault weapons bans, they don't seem to make a big difference here. The evidence is mixed, but overall, we just don't see a clear drop in the number of mass shootings when these bans are in effect. Another reason that these bans may not have cut down on the number of mass shootings is because of the way the laws are written. They define assault weapons with criteria that seems a little arbitrary. Like if an AR-type rifle had a bayonet mount and the butt of the gun could be adjusted to be shorter or longer, it was banned. But if the same AR didn't have the bayonet mount and couldn't be adjusted, it was fine. I talked about this with a different Mark, Mark Geis, a professor at Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. He researches gun control. Well, and I've heard that some of the features or the guns that were banned were kind of cosmetic features. They don't really. Is that a fair criticism? Oh, that's totally fair. I mean, they had nothing to do with the rate of fire. Yeah. It wasn't about how fast the gun could shoot, which in theory would make a gun more deadly. Mark thinks assault weapons got defined this way to make the ban more politically palatable. And he sees another potential problem with the way these laws tend to be written, which is that they don't make people turn in guns that they already have. Essentially, they grandfathered in all existing assault weapons. So if you owned an assault weapon prior to 94, you could keep it and you could do whatever you want with it. That's one of the big problems with bans on any type of firearm is what do you do with all the existing firearms? I mean, do you buy them back? Are they just illegal? Even if people can't buy these guns at the store, they're already everywhere. Right now in the U.S., we have 400 million guns, which is actually... I think 1.2 guns for every person living in the United States. That's a lot of guns. As best we can tell, 20 million of those guns are assault rifles. Now, we're not saying that there's absolutely no connection between mass shootings and so-called assault weapons. We know that in some of the deadliest mass shootings, the killers used assault weapons. But the research suggests that the gun itself may not be the main factor. The feature that seems to make the most difference is a gun's ability to accept a lot of extra bullets using something called a high-capacity magazine. This is a thing you can load into a gun that carries something like 20, 30, 50 bullets. These types of magazines work with assault weapons, but also other kinds of guns, like handguns. And research has found that when killers use them, their rampage is more deadly two or three times more people injured or killed. Some states do ban these magazines. The old federal ban outlawed them as well. And several studies we looked at found that when a mass shooting happened while one of these bans was in place, it was less deadly. 
around the world, we've also seen what can happen when you make much stricter weapons bans. Like after a major mass shooting in Australia, they banned way more types of guns than we tried to ban. And they confiscated them. They really got rid of semi-automatic weapons, essentially. I mean, they made people turn them in. People had to turn in the rifles. They were compensated for it, um, but they were made to turn them in. That type of law would be so politically unpalatable in this country. I I don't think it would even make it out of committee. Australia did a bunch of other stuff, too. Like, they required licenses to own guns, which, by the way, is something that studies show would make a difference here as well. Aussies also have to prove that they have a good reason for owning a gun. And the reason can't be self-defense. Since they put all these rules in place in 1996, Australia has had only one public mass shooting. Conclusion. If we want to focus on stopping mass shootings, we should think about either banning and confiscating large-capacity magazines or banning and confiscating a lot more kinds of guns. Okay, so let's turn to the next potential solution. This one comes up specifically for school shootings. It's that we need more security at school. Congress just passed a big gun bill that sets aside $300 million for school safety projects. And a lot of people think that the best kind of school safety is arming people who work at schools. It basically comes down to this NRA catchphrase. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's NRA CEO Wayne LaPierre. And a lot of schools already do have cops on campus. In fact, government data suggests that about half of public K-12 schools in the U.S. have an armed officer present at least one day a week. So could cops on campus help stop? mass shootings. To see what we could find out, we called up Jillian Peterson. She's a criminologist and psychologist at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota. She's a very sunny person who has studied murderers her whole career. I don't know. There's something about studying the really kind of heavier, harder, uglier parts of life that make you really appreciative of all the the good stuff. Jillian studies mass shootings these days, including school shootings. And one thing she wanted to know was, Does it help if there's an armed guard at school when a shooting happens? She and her colleagues looked at what happened at 133 schools where someone came to school to do a mass shooting. 29 of those schools had an armed officer at school that day. And they found something kind of weird. So we saw three times as many people were killed when there was an armed officer on the scene than when there wasn't, controlling for all these other factors. It was worse. It was worse. Yeah. In this study, they found that if an armed guard was there, more people were killed. And we were, frankly, surprised. We can't say, here's why, right? We can't, because this is not a controlled experiment. What we can do is say, like, here's our guesses as to why. For one, Jillian's like, it's not usually some rando infiltrating the school. It's someone that goes there, or used to go there, so they know what to expect. These are not scary outsiders who don't know there's an armed officer there. These are insiders who know exactly that there's an armed officer there, where he stands, and so they may come in more heavily armed or kind of planned around that. That's just a guess. It's so hard to know. And here's a caveat. Jillian's study doesn't tell us whether armed officers might be helping in ways we can't see, like if their presence sometimes keeps a mass shooter from entering the school at all. 
we can't study how many people thought about it and changed their mind because there was an armed officer on campus. We need more research on this. But right now, this is the only study on this that we could find. And it doesn't back up the idea that we should be packing our schools with police in order to stop school shootings. Bottom line, there's no guarantee that armed police on campus would help here. Now, a lot of people want to specifically arm teachers so that every single classroom has a good guy with a gun. We couldn't find any studies on whether armed teachers would help. But there's already a big problem with this idea. Teachers don't want to carry guns. We found a number of surveys that asked teachers about this, and the majority said, no thanks. Even in Texas, 77% of school teachers and other school employees in Texas told researchers they did not want to be armed at school. And one final note on all this, we really can't say whether arming more regular people in general would help stop mass shootings. One database looked at public shootings and found that an armed civilian stopped an active shooter 5% of the time. So it's not happening all that often right now. This was only part of our full episode on how to stop mass shootings. If you'd like to listen to the rest of the episode, head over to our main feed, Science Versus, by searching for Science VS in Spotify. Click on Mass Shootings, How Do We Stop Them? We also look into how mental illness fits into this and whether or not red flag laws work. And we wanted to share some resources if you or someone you know needs mental health help. In the U.S., you can call or text 988 to reach the government's Suicide and Crisis Helpline. More mental health resources are available at spotify.com resources. I'm Rose Rimler. See you later.